Hello, thanks for joining the Cats by 90 podcast. Big Blue Drew, Aaron Gershon here. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you're following us at Cats by 90 on Twitter and at Sea of Blue, at Sea of Blue. We don't usually plug that a lot, so please make sure you're checking us out, following us on there. Thank you for listening. As usual, Aaron, a packed, packed news evening. Um, just so much going on. Literally, the Kentucky basketball team is scrimmaging right now against Division Three Transylvania, neighbor down the road. So, um, bowl game coming up. So much to get to, man. But uh, how's everything going with you this week, Aaron? Good, man. A little hectic. Um, I know um, the new gig that I put on Twitter starts for me next week. Yeah, so. I was gonna. I was kind of let you, um, you know, say hello. Then I was gonna tee that up. So please tell everybody. I'm excited for you. Um, you kind of teased that it a few weeks ago, but. Uh, let us know what you're going to be up to now, man. Yeah, well, first I'll start off by saying I'm not going anywhere, so I'll be here with you weekly and um, uh, still for Sea Blue, writing for Big Blue Insider and hopefully getting on radio um, as close to five days a week as possible, whatever's plausible, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm just not going to physically be in Kentucky anymore, so I'm here just outside of Evansville, Indiana, in which um, obviously the notorious U- home of the University yeah. of Evansville, Kentucky. <laughs> How well, about no. that? How about that? Yeah. Crazy. But uh, here in Newburgh, Indiana, I'll be starting up in Princeton, Indiana, which is about 30 minutes north of here as a sports editor for a local paper there. So doing a lot of high school AAU slash prep school stuff. Um, also probably mixed in a little uh, UE, a little here and there, some college stuff. And obviously when there are pros who have come through the town of Princeton, like um, this name may ring a bell, Jackie Young, who I know your daughter's big into basketball and getting the WNBA stuff going. And she was the first overall pick, I believe, by Las Vegas two or three years ago. Um, so she's a name that's come through here that um, usually they send a writer out to Vegas to cover her once a year. Last year was a little different with the pandemic. But I'm really excited to get going, but I'm also glad to you know, stay here um, and not be able to kind of do a lot of different things at once. It's exciting. But uh, yeah, this week has been exhausting because I um, kind of use the Christmas holiday to avoid traffic and stuff like that and get started on this move. And uh, but uh, it's finally coming together here. Big time, man. Proud of you. Happy for you. I, I definitely think it's funny, hilarious that, um, you know, you wind up in Evansville in that area. It's great. Terrific. We'll, we'll get some good content whenever you do cover, um, you know, a game there or something, which I'm sure you will. So congrats, man. We're definitely happy you're sticking around with the Cats by 90 podcast. We're like working on our hundredth episode. I have to kind of count them up between those and the dad podcast. And please make sure you're checking those out too. We had Aaron Matus on from WDRB sports director on the dad podcast last week. He was awesome. So all under the same umbrella, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. So, um, but man, I, I guess we'll start with basketball, Aaron. I think we kind of have to. I, I don't even know. I had like kind of done a little preparation today, and I initially was like, you know, what's the really the point in recapping anything about Louisville? Everyone's kind of already swallowed that and digested it three times over. So then, kind of my burning topic, Aaron, was Dante Allen. I'm like, man, this this whole situation kind of seems to just be boiling over. I got some hot takes on that, or maybe not hot takes, but passionate takes but then now like I said just news kind of breaking within the last few hours here on Tuesday evening um Kentucky actually which you know we were anticipating them maybe scheduling a non-conference game um to fill that spot um with them not being able to play South Carolina but that didn't happen so word on the street is or they are it's been confirmed um you know they're scrimmaging Transylvania so did that like extremely surprise you Aaron or no uh yeah it did because I never would have guessed that would uh you know, I guess only in 2020 could that happen, right? 
Um, definitely came out of left field a little bit. I know I, I was hoping, uh, I think you were too, because I know you're a Louisville area guy, uh, that they were going to play Bellarmine. Um, I thought that would be a lot of fun, especially I believe this is Bellarmine's first year D1. Um, so, honestly, yeah, yeah, we I should mean, we should clarify too. Yeah, because you're right. I actually will um, kind of uh, bump brush elbows or whatever you say it with the um, couple coaches at Bellarmine. I'll just kind of see them throughout. I, I work close to the university. So, awesome that they've moved division one and yeah that was kind of the I guess they were like the, the top contender I know Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio kind of reported that a few days before Christmas and I think that when that kind of came out today Aaron which to kind of clarify it kind of came off I think as if oh Kentucky's scared to play Bellarmine or anybody else and you know they have to scrimmage behind closed doors I'm sure there's a there's a lot more probably that went into it I saw TJ Walker kind of laying out the specifics of just like the rules and who you're allowed to schedule Bellarmine Kentucky etc um, and but all that being said, Aaron, I don't see how this team could have scheduled a team like Bellarmine and play them on TV or anything like. I think a, a closed door scrimmage is perfect because I will all. But knowing what I know about John Calipari, I will guarantee you in that setting, he's stopping that game every five seconds, instructing, you know, moving pieces around. So I think the potential for that to help this team, um, like a behind closed door scrimmage against a you know a close neighbor, um, can only help. Yeah, and there are two things I look at is, one, you know, if they are going – I bet you're right. I bet Cal is breaking it down and coaching as much as possible, and that's probably beneficial for the transy guys, too, who don't get that level of coaching. And, you know, that's not a knock on the transy coaching staff, just that's John Calipari. But uh, the two things that strike me are, one, if they do go full speed or they, you know, they count buckets and all that, it could just be – you know, feel good for Kentucky to put some points on somebody and play confidently – um, obviously they haven't really had that feeling other than Moorhead State this year. And then the second part is, you know, one thing that kind of just struck me as you were uh, breaking that down is, you know, most of these games this year, they've been playing on Saturday and that's it. Uh, they don't play, mm -hmm. you know, during the week. Other, I think the last weekday game they had is Kansas. So they're kind of sitting on those losses for a while. So maybe just getting the blood flowing, um, getting some some game intensity, you know, in between to break things up a little bit could help these guys because um, they won't play again until Saturday. Yeah, definitely just getting shots up, playing against, you know, guys beside themselves. You're right. I'm sure some confidence building would be terrific. I did a little bit of digging. I shot a few messages. Um, I kind of got some indirect stuff back that basically said they weren't keeping score, but that Kentucky was ahead, was essentially. So I, I don't know. I can't imagine they're playing that, you know, like a, a regular game, game situations. My total guess would be, again, that John Calipari is not going to be able to not to stop that knowing he's in an environment where he can. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe some stuff will come out about what's going on with that. And kind of a good segue is maybe Dante Allen's getting some tick. Um, better. Been playing, you know, Transylvania and stuff right now. So, uh, man, I'll just, I just speak my piece on that real quick, Aaron, and I'll let you go. My biggest thing with Dante Allen has, has nothing to do with the merit, whether or not he should be in the game. Like, honestly, outside with John Calipari on that, because, I mean, he's, he's a whiz of that stuff. But my issue is, like, even last night with, you know, making an announcement essentially that he's going to check in the game on the coaches' show, just like, why add all this pressure on this kid? It seems crazy unnecessary. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking out. I, I think, you know, the realist answer and just the honest answer is probably like you've just nailed it. Uh, Calipari knows better than the we do and the fans do um, that Allen probably isn't ready. Um, and, you know, I guess despite some of the lack of really just 
I don't, I don't know how to put it, just not great play from some of the guys who are above him in that rotation right now. Uh, he feels like the guys who are above him give him a better chance to win. That's, that's one thing. But when you're shooting so poorly and you're just not getting in any offensive rhythm, and that's kind of been the Achilles heel for this team really since the Richmond game, I, I just don't understand why you don't give him a shot just to kind of be a spark. I mean, he's a guy who really – you know, he was recruited to, one, he's a Kentucky-born kid, um, Gatorade Player of the Year in the state, and, two, he's a great offensive player. I mean, he scored what, – what he scored? Like, he had, like, 50 points in, like, a crazy amount of games in high school. He yeah, was never 40, 43 points a game and basically miss, you know, miss a ton of your, um, you know, senior year, and you're still able to win Mr. Basketball. It's pretty dang impressive. Pretty dang impressive. And he was never known for his defense, so why not at least give him a shot – to just try to hit a couple shots and get in a rhythm. I mean, I don't see the downside in that uh, when this team has, you know, the defensive end, the numbers aren't great. I feel like the effort's been there from day one. I've been happy with at least um, some of the defensive play where normally it's the offense ahead of defense here. But, um, you know, I just don't understand why you don't let him try to be a spark plug. Because I guarantee you this, maybe his defense skill-wise won't be, um, on the par with the Terrence Clark or some of the guys ahead of him in the rotation. But I, I guarantee you his effort will be because he's a guy, like we just talked about, playing for his home state. Uh, this was his dream growing up. He's a guy with a chip on his shoulder. He's not a high rank recruit. And I really think they could benefit from that right now. Yeah, and again, to me it goes back to, like, regardless of the merit of, you know, him getting in the game and being, you know, a deserving five players that play – if so, if Cal's stance is that he's not good enough to do that, he doesn't believe he should put him in, when is it like John Calipari to let the fans strong arm him into doing something? And then spin it this way too, Aaron, like you're Dante Allen. Like, I mean, how can you imagine Coach Calipari, I guess, you know, being fully thrilled for you if you go in and ball out? Because he has a computer, he has a phone. He kind of knows what the narrative is right now that Cal doesn't think he's ready, the fans do, or, or maybe not to say he's not ready. I mean, he obviously would, I guess, know Cal's, mindset and opinion of him a, a lot closer than we get an example of but at least he knows that the fans want him in the game and to do well and that's kind of a a pressure point that his head coach is getting so what does that look like for Cal if he goes in and plays great that's you know that's not going to go over well and then if he goes in and plays poorly I mean that's terrible so it's like I don't know I, I just like a lose-lose situation has been created um, by just the delaying of giving him his chance. Yeah, but at, at the same token, while Cal might face criticism and uh, if Dante comes in and plays well and gets asked the question, well, why the hell didn't you do this sooner? Uh, your team's one and six and your tournament hopes are dying by the day. Um, at the end of the day, when guys play well, all is forgiven. When you win games, all is forgiven. Winning heals everything in sports. It doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. And this Kentucky team, you, they keep talking about it. Um, just during the press conferences, they need a win just to feel good about themselves more than to help their NCAA tournament resume. I mean, they're losing these games, a lot of them in heartbreaking fashion, whether it be a blown lead, whether it be those two Olivier star shots. Um, it, it hasn't been like other than the Notre Dame first half and a couple spurts, they haven't just been getting pounded. They've been in games. They just either one can't close them, two can't close that gap. Or see, they're just, I mean, outplayed when it matters most, but they're not getting killed. Um, so it's just deflating, and they just need something to feel good about. So if Dante Allen comes in, lights it up, helps the team win, you know, 
maybe the fans and the media are going to ask, well, where was he? But the players and the coaching staff and the team that that's uh, most important at the end of the day, they're going to get confident and start playing better. Yeah, I mean, they got to get some wins. So I, I wrote a post earlier or last night, I guess they posted it today for a sea of blue. Basically now, I mean, we know conference plays over the, or the non-conference plays over moving into SEC play. I mean, Kentucky has one win. It's about to be 2021. They got one win this year. So they got to win some games, man. They got to start tallying these wins. And like the question kind of posed in the post was how many conference games do they need to win in order to make um, the NCAA tournament with an at-large bid? So I don't know, man. I look back in 2013. I think that team was like 24 and 11 or something. To me, anytime, Aaron, you get to double-digit losses, that's really when you start, you know, crossing your fingers about getting into the NCAA tournament, especially considering the SEC might not be as good as we thought in the preseason. So I think that's kind of – I don't want to see Kentucky lose, you know, four-ish games. Then that's kind of where I would start to get nervous depending on who they beat. But um, at this point, that just seems – you know, silly to think that they could go 14 and four in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, the one, I guess, silver lining is that the SEC hasn't performed quite as we expected it. I mean, look, Missouri's been really good. They're the team I keep uh, beating the drum for because I've been really impressed with them. Um, I, Tennessee has been kind of as advertised. They're really good. But outside of that, I mean, Auburn's, you know, they're not even going to be playing in a tournament this year. They'd put the self-imposed ban. So who knows? what the motivation level down there is, especially during this COVID year. Um, Alabama, Arkansas are kind of up-and-coming programs, but they're beatable. So, yes, I think I think that it's almost impossible to ask a team that just went 1-6 um, against the Power 5 heavy non-conference schedule to go 14-4, and four, go 15-3 and three in conference play. Even I, I, you want to see them finish above 500, but you can't even assume that given what they did in the non-conference, but uh, to say that the SEC, what we thought was going to be just a whole nother level this year, uh, has dis- it's disappointed so far, and maybe that plays into Kentucky's favor. But, look, they need to go probably that 14 – I would say 14 and 4, what? That would be 14, 15 and 9. That would put them out for the year? No, 15, that's uh, 10, 10 losses. So, even that, that's a cuspy record, but – you can erase all that by winning either the SEC somehow outright in the regular season or winning the SEC tournament. So I think it might take uh, one of those to do it because they might need an auto bid. The resume is just not there. Their only win right now is against Moorhead State, who the last time they checked are 303rd in the Ken Palm. They're, they're irrelevant. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, I think that to me, the more, the more likely scenario at this moment in time as we're about to turn the page to the new year is that Kentucky – has some slow progression. Um, you know, Cal does what he does, kind of gets this team playing. You have to assume quite a bit better and that they win the SEC tournament. I think that would be kind of a more likely scenario from what I can see at this point than them, you know, reeling off 13, 14 of the next 18. So we we'll have to see how they look. I know they got Mississippi State coming up. Obviously, they had the break, so it is good that they got some work in. One thing we haven't talked about, Aaron, because I think – uh, we missed last week was uh, the Cameron Fletcher situation. So kind of a good good time to bring it up because I, I was actually a little surprised to hear that he was already back with the team today. I wasn't sure how, where that was going. but um, So he's back now. But what would you make of all that, man? Is it, is it getting blown up or, is, you know, is this could be a, a lingering thing and kind of what, what is, has your opinion at all changed of this kid? Honestly, I'm still confused, <laughs> I guess. 
I mean, that's probably a good thing because you want to keep those type of things internal. Obviously, what started it all at, well, actually, my guess is now, I shouldn't say that. My guess is now it, this issue started before the outburst that the world saw with um. Oh, yeah, him. for sure. So there's probably some things going on, whether he was mouthing off in practice, whether he was giving um, coaches a hard time, players a hard time, not being a good teammate, whatever. But it's hard to know exactly what the hell happened because we're obviously – we don't get that type of ass, um, access ever, let alone in a COVID year. So, I'm honestly, I'm confused on all that as to what exactly led to him being, you know, sent home for a little while. Obviously, um, you want what's best for the player. That's what college sports is all about. You want what's best for the player. And, you know, Cal Perry and his – you get a whole team, really, a whole um, – just group of people that care about him say it was the best thing. And so they did what was best. Um, but I, I am shocked that he's back so quickly. I mean, what a week um, you felt like this was kind of going to be a thing where we may not see him for a month or so. Maybe he just needs time to clear his head or whatever, but he's already back here. So maybe, maybe like you said, it's overblown. Maybe that was kind of like a punishment for the public outburst and there really wasn't much else going on. And that was more a message saying, that ain't going to happen here, but I don't know what to make of it. I just think that, you know, Cameron obviously showed, at least in that very first game, uh, that he can be a player at this level and he can be really good and help this team. So uh, Kentucky can use whatever they can get because outside of uh, Jacob Topin and Isaiah Jackson's blocking ability, uh, the front court has been a major, major letdown, especially Olivier Sar. So maybe Fletcher can come in and help in that department. I think without a doubt, it was like compounding things. I mean, he didn't get sent home just for that outburst. So who knows? And, you know, like Cal said, he kind of had to address it. They normally keep it internal, but since he wasn't going to be there. But I don't know, man. It might just be a thing where, like, you know, they laid down the law. And, like, you know, of course he's going to say and do the right things, you know, once he's at home. So might as well bring him back and see if he can acclimate. I think Cal already said he's not sure if he's going to play him on Saturday. I would, I would expect him not to play. Same thing with Keon Brooks, man. Here we are now, again, about to turn to the new year. And just, you know, little to no information on that situation. And just, just man, if losing isn't bad enough, I feel like there's never been so many cryptic messages with the basketball team. Uh, there's really no transparency this year, which is, one, frustrating. Um, I, I mean, it's understandable, but also frustrating. Um, I feel like during this COVID year, you can probably hide more just because um, that's kind of what the world is and you're not, you know, you're kind of away from everybody. I but, think a lot yeah, of it too, really quick, Aaron, is, is uh, just the fact that they're losing. Like I said that earlier, I think yeah. Cal has kind of always trolled the media and the fans and it's funny yeah. and we laugh when they're winning 30 plus games a year, but that stuff starts, you know, coming, coming to, to the light a little bit more when you're not winning. And I think people, people get tired of being told they're basketball bennies and, and they don't know as much. So they want that transparency and when they don't get it and they're losing, I think that that's kind of why you've seen, you know, Cal take take more heat than he probably ever has since he's been here. Yeah, um, there's no doubt about it. And this Keon thing, man, I get, I get it's an injury, but I just feel like even – I feel like in college sports, sports – you know, professional sports is a lot different because you have injury reports every single game. Uh, that's kind of an open record for everybody. You kind of know – what's going on day by day when your quarterback in the NFL is getting treatment or, you know, your star shortstop is on the injured list and when he might be coming on that 
you know, really all the time. But with college sports, I feel like, you know, these are kids, so there's more privacy. But at least from, you know, football and a lot of other basketball programs, uh, you know, coaches are more transparent saying, you know, this is when we expect this kid back for a couple of reasons. One, it kind of gives incentives to the fans to start getting excited about that player coming back and lifting the team. And two, just being, you know, being transparent and being, you know, it's important to get that information out there. So obviously it's not like unless Keon Brooks has a serious medical condition, which he clearly doesn't because we talked to him just a few weeks, a few weeks ago, oddly after a game, he didn't even play in, but it's not like he has a quick soak situation where you can't tell much about it. So it's just weird that they're being so close to the vest with this leg injury. It makes you think like, did he do something wrong? Which obviously now, kind of seems like he didn't because he spoke to the media. Um, is it way more serious? And are they kind of just trying to get teams to scout for him and then him not be there? I don't know. Uh, but it's really bizarre. And I think – I really think it serves the fan base and just disjustice and injustice because they deserve to know and deserve to – you know, Cal Perry keeps saying, our true fans will stick with us through all this. Well, give them updates on who the guy that you're hyping up to be the team saving grace. I mean, right. And then too, you know, like, just like your point, we're sitting here speculating worst case scenarios because we don't have much information. I'd be, I'd be lying. If I said, I thought that, you know, an injury was the only thing preventing him from getting on the court. I mean, there just seemingly has to be more to this. And I don't know, again, it kind of just goes back to losing transparency. If people want to see Keon Brooks play, I mean, hell, he's the only player anyone's ever seen play before. So it would be nice to, to mix some type of experience what? in this and in somebody that's over there. You, you know, they came back to school. They came back to Kentucky. Um, they knew they were going to be, the, you know, one of the only ones. You know, he wanted his time to shine. And, unfortunately, you know, this is preventing him from getting on the court. And, boy, do they, boy, do they need him, man. And we'll see. You know, you know Dante <laughs> Allen's going to get his, his time. So, man, I would love to see him just catch the ball and just let one go from 35 feet. Like, you know, whatever happens, happens. So, It'll be nice for him to get a chance to play, but definitely um, tough circumstances. But you'll at least see one new face out there for who knows how long on Saturday, Aaron. Uh, there's no doubt. You would think at least watch Cal just start him to shut everybody up. I think that'd be hilarious. But one other thing with Brooks, I mean, actually two quick things. One, you know, part of the reason people are so excited about him and the idea of getting him back and why we should know something more is the last time he played, which was – of course, the Florida game that at the time no one knew would be the last game of the year. I mean, he had his best game of his college career, and he was hitting threes, which was something he didn't do really all year. So that's Yeah, I one. really missed him uh, on Saturday, actually, when um, yeah. I remember it. Remember, it's so easy to forget because Kentucky ended up winning that game um, a year ago in overtime. But that Keon Brooks tip-in as time expired in regulation against Louisville at Rupp Arena last year was – Oh, man, that, that shot was touching net, very similar to Olivier Sarr. So you're right, late in the season and, and even like through spurts throughout, I mean, he was so bouncy and he, he could be a, a really good addition to, you know, the front court looks promising at the start, but they need all the help they can get. Yeah, and I mean, look, he wasn't, like you said, he showed spurts. Uh, he also struggled, so I don't know exactly how much. I think his veteran presence and just him being the smart, he's such a smart kid and all that leader will help. But you also just want to see him play because, you know, he has the potential to be a star, but is he? Is he really going to be the guy that turns things around? So, I mean, that's what the hype has been that he will be. So 
why not give an update and tell us when you expect him back? Or if you don't think he's going to be back, stop messing with the fans' head. Stop messing with everybody and say he's out for the year and he'll be back next year. Like, come on. Yeah, if anything, I mean, eventually we'll kind of find out, I guess, all the details as a whole. But if, if anything comes out at all where transparency would have been allowed, you know, anything other than it being a detriment to Keon Brooks for whatever reason, you know, basketball-wise, personal-wise, whatever, that is going to be unfortunate because, again, it just, it just causes people to speculate and breed. I know people text me. I've had people speculate all kinds of different reasons why he's not on the court. I have no idea, so I just kind of try to dispel all of them. So we'll see. But, again, hopefully, man, Dante Allen gets his shot. The Cats can get at least a little something rolling. Mississippi State's not very good. They haven't beat anybody good. So they should have a good opportunity to pick up their second win of the year um, on the heels of the bowl game, too. Yeah, it'll be a doubleheader day, and uh, honestly, I think it's interesting. Where, where are fans' heads on that day? Um, you have a basketball team that's slumping. It's not really, like you just mentioned, the most exciting matchup in the world in Mississippi State. Then you have a bowl game, which is great and all, but, you know, the football team was four and six. Uh, you kind of have an offense that is not going to be the offense next year. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see kind of the excitement for both of these games, but I don't know. I think the bowl, I'm excited. It's college football. So I'm all in. I'm excited to see what Kentucky can do, uh, to wrap up the season. And really, I'm curious to see what, uh, North Carolina state's all about, because to be frank, I don't know much about them. I've done some more research obviously now, but they've had an eight and three season in the ACC and that ain't easy. So, um, they're obviously pretty legit if their that record is what it is. Um, it's just – I feel like there are a couple things that just make this bowl season so weird outside of the playoffs. I think the playoff games will still be great. I think it's one, it's, you know, these players, normally you see all the cool videos and all the cool stuff they're doing um, in the city, practicing at different venues. Um, none of that's happening this year, so I feel like they kind of get gypped to that. And the other thing, I guess, is just – it feels like they don't belong in a bowl game. I hate to be the one that says it because – is what it is but you know they won four games and they're in a bowl game against an eight-win team it, it just has such a weird feel to it but it does uh, it doesn't I'm, it does not seem like a yeah. Kentucky's bowl game is in just a few days for no. football it really it's almost like we're playing with like I don't know like like borrowed people or something it, it just seems very very weird I'm like, I think the 18th bowl game was canceled today um I saw so it's just I don't know it's just hard for me I guess to kind of get invested when the postseason so much different than it normally is. Um, I don't know a ton about NC State either, but I did look a little bit today. Um, I mean, they're up-tempo. I think they run like 70 yeah. plays per game. So I know they're going to 30, over 31 points per game. So Kentucky's definitely have to win the turnover battle to win that football game, which NC State does, does turn the ball over. But, yeah, I have, I have little to no idea what to expect. But it, it'll be cool to watch some football. And, you know, that's why they do these balls, to get the practice. You know, I've been hearing a lot of good things about the young guys at practice. And then secondly, you know, they can come out and, and get a win, get a big win. You, you know, you feel totally different heading into what will hopefully be a somewhat normal or spring game this year. Um, you can kind of just turn the page over because it was definitely a, an odd season. And I agree, a, a four-win four team, especially with some of the, the painful games we had to endure, it seems very odd them playing, you know, a pretty good team in a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, look, there's this game is still important to win. One, you know, it's always good to add to that trophy case, and, and it's something to brag about. And like you said, for the guys coming back, especially because you're going to probably see a bunch of young guys get a chance, uh, it's something to build on and learn from. 
Um, and two, you know, the biggest thing is really recruiting. I mean, a bowl game is a bowl game. The recruits are watching. Uh, they're looking at W's and L's, and the, the area of the game matters. So North Florida, um, obviously very close to Georgia. That's an area that Kentucky, especially in Georgia, has really hit um, lately, and they're trying to expand. And they also, you know, Eric Wolford, the new offensive line coach coming from South Carolina, has a lot of deep Carolina connections, both north and south. That's an area they're trying to expand on. And maybe guys who are eyeing NC State watching this game might like what they see from Kentucky and bar interest there. So that, that, that's important too. But what's just what's weird about this game is they're going to be running an offense. And I know all the hype, all oh, Vince Mar Merrill, great personality. It's going to be air raid. But no, it's not. They're going to probably do the same thing you've seen all year, which is play to their strength, run the football. Um, roll Terry out, maybe take a shot or two, not much. Maybe they'll throw to the tight end a little more because Mara's the T, uh, tight ends coach, but that's about it. So it's kind of, I don't know, it has a funky feel because this offense is uh, not going to be what it is um, next year because you have a new offense coordinator. So uh, it, it'll be fun to send some of these seniors off, though. I mean, it's such a deep senior class. So you, there, there's a lot of incentives to go out and play hard and win the game. It just has such an, a weird, awkward feel. Um, without the whole bowl experience and being a four-win team. All right, perfect. Um, so I, I heard Vince Merrill say today, Aaron, that um, he was pleased with Joey Gatewood's bowl preparation, which kind of terrifies me. I guess we only have a few more days, but I'm so sick of talking about this. But I know they're going to yeah. ride with Terry. Mark Stoops has said that they're going to try to win the game. But at what point do you think or do you expect to see all three quarterbacks or just Terry if the game's going well? Or, like, what's your expectations for the quarterbacks, though? It's a good question. I think if the game is going well uh, and it's close, you, you stick with Terry. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's, it is important to win the game for recruiting, for the confidence of the players coming back. So you have to win it. Um, and Terry, at this point, from everything we've seen, there's no doubt about it. Terry Wilson gives this team the best chance to win right now. So you definitely got to stick with Terry in a close game, especially if he's playing pretty well. Even if, honestly, even if they're, they're not playing well, it's kind of a 13-13 slugfest, which I don't expect it to be. I still think you, you play Terry and you let him ride through it. Um, but if it becomes two-possession game or more in either direction, then I think it's time to get those guys some playing time, just get their feet wet um, in a playoff atmosphere. I think that would be important. But you know what? I, I'm just – now that I – you know, I, I just keep going back to this new offense thing. This system that they're going to play in Saturday, I mean, yes, the experience and the playoff atmosphere are important to get in, but they're going to be learning a whole new system this offseason when Liam Cohn gets here. So I don't know how much it, 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 how important it really is to get these guys in. If it's a close game, I wouldn't force it. But if it is lopsided in either direction, then, yes, I think you'll see one or both Gatewood and Allen in. But I, I think you ride Terry – as long as you need Terry and as long as things are going well, you have to go win this game. I think that's the most important thing. I think with the new – for the defensive guys, I think it's more important to slide guys in and out. Um, but offensively, really more at quarterback than anything else, there's going to be a new system anyway. Kind of ride with the guys that you have and go get a win. Yeah, they definitely need to put put a dub in the column, I would say, most importantly. Again, just, just the vibes will be a lot better in the offseason, especially if they look okay doing it. Listen, 
another ugly 60-minute yeah. performance. And I think it's just going to be so hard to reel everyone back in in the spring. Even in a loss, man, they just need to put some points on the board, look good, sprinkle some new guys in, have some fun, and, um, you know, roll into next year with a little momentum. I think that's all we can ask for. I agree. And look, I mean, NC State is a good opponent. I mean, if you want to play a good team if you're going to play in a bowl game. You don't want to play another three-win team. You know, this would be a ranked victory. North Carolina comes. North Carolina State comes in ranked 23rd, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, Kentucky lost every game they played against a ranked team this year. So you'd at least get to add that one to your, to your belt, beating a ranked team, uh, which they have not done yet. And really just, get, like you said, gain confidence and get some good feelings going in to what's going to be a huge offseason uh, with guys, a ton of seniors leaving, juniors like Darian Kennard, big decision coming up, and a whole new, totally different offense of system having to be learned. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. I, again, I, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm excited just to get out there and, and maybe have a few more football cheers in me for this season. If nothing else, we can get that out. And then maybe, man, it could be a could be a huge day on Saturday, and both programs could like get off to like very, very important kind of uh, trajectories. One ending their season, and one kind of just getting it rolling with conference play. So basketball worries me a lot, a lot more than football. I'll tell you that much because I just cannot imagine us jumping on here next week, Aaron. You know, talking about a one and seven Kentucky team, and just where does that? I mean, when does it end? So hopefully they can find enough. Um, enough gusto to, to get enough points on the board. And you're right, I think. I mean, we're talking about a couple Olivier Sar shots from, like, touching net from this team having a couple more wins. And it's just the Calipari rhythm, just to kind of wrap up basketball on that. And I went on ESPN 680 radio, I don't know, the other day, and I was saying it kind of like this. Like, so many Calipari years have started out like this. Like, the first five games, six games, you're kind of like, oh, man, what's going on? But they always they find a way to win half of them. Right. You know what I mean, they're three and three sometimes or, you know, five and two and, you know, squeaked out a couple and you're really nervous. But just the fact that, that this team couldn't find a way to do that has just made, like, an avalanche of pressure and, you know, seem, I mean, we're a couple weeks here from this thing really being blown up. So got to get wins and got to get them fast. This should end the whole stu- – which I always thought was stupid. It should end in, in both college football and basketball to, you know, stop scheduling cupcake games. Like, uh, you need them when you're a big school. Uh, if you can do them, why wouldn't you get some wins that just build your confidence? I mean, it's silly not to. And look, Kentucky, the last couple of years, really I'd say since the Shea-Knox year where – if you remember on opening night, they lost, they were, they won, but they were down by nine at half to Utah Valley. Uh, these non-conference cupcake games have come down to the wire multiple times. Uh, they lose one to Evansville, but they also had, you know, a tough scare against again, Utah Valley last year. I think I forget someone had them within six. Um, I forget exactly who it was at half. So, you know, they, they need those games at the beginning of the year to build the confidence. And obviously this year was an extraordinary circumstance but Cal Perry did have from what it sounds like an option to build some of those games and went with a tougher schedule and he made a mistake because you need those games when you're a big school that's why Duke does them that's why North Carolina does them every big school does them let it happen it helps yes I mean in hindsight it it definitely does and it just man we just all of us kind of I guess look foolish looking back and just kind of sharpening this team in as being you know rather elite and going to be in a national championship hunt seems far off I saw today that the odds were updated to like 33 to one um, went from like 20 
five to one to thirty three to one for Kentucky to win the national championship, which seems like a great way to waste your money. They need to. What are the odds to make the tournament first? You can't <laughs> right. win the. You can't win the championship if you don't get in the damn tournament. And uh, you know, my guess is with COVID, there's not even going to be an NIT or any invitational tournaments. I, I and I, I mean, why would there be? Why risk it? Um, so, you know, they're they're not going to play postseason basketball unless they, you know, get their stuff together um, or win the SEC tournament miraculously. But, you know, like you said, Mississippi State not very good. They were last year, but they had, you know, I know Emmanuel quickly won the coaches SEC Player of the Year, but Reggie Perry won the AP SEC Player of the Year, so they lost their best player. Um, and Kentucky's going to take advantage and beat a team they should beat finally. Yep, hopefully they can, man. Well, good stuff, Aaron. Congrats again on your on your moving up. I know you got a lot going on in your life. We're glad you're sticking around the Cats by 90 podcast. Again, please drop a review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us. Um, check us out Spotify, Twitter, at Cats by 90. Tell your friends. Um, listenership is up. Everyone's listening yeah. now that um, sports are um, – they're here. They're not great, but they're, they're slapping they're us here. in the face every day, so – if they like the negative not obviously they want to see the team win but i wonder if it's more entertaining to hear us rant when they lose than it is gloat when they finally win oh for sure in the media biz man uh mad clicks are clicks nonetheless and usually yeah. you, you, if it's really good or really bad that's that's usually good for people. <laughs> everyone's dialed in it's, be, it's because you know they're they're passionate the big blue nation's the best fans in the world for sure and as far as i'm concerned you're all true fans and we appreciate it and aaron yeah. Have a great, um, great week, man, and I guess we will catch up um, hopefully here soon. Yes. Happy New Year.